Uh, hey everyone, Barry Megledy here, back with this episode of the Comeback Game podcast. Uh, today I'm actually really, really excited. I've got Dave Sanders on the phone who's got a magnificent and very unique story. Dave, mate, I've been looking forward to this interview all week. How are you doing? Barry, thank you. I've actually been very excited. Likewise, thank you for having me. You're so welcome. Where are you calling in from today? Today I'm in Charlotte, North Carolina, on the east coast of the United States. Oh, fantastic. I'm actually going to be in uh, Asheville in a couple of months' time. 100 miles from where I'm at right now. Beautiful part of the world. Beautiful part of the world. So, Dave, for those that uh, don't know you or haven't heard of you before, let's just start with uh, a little bit about you, okay. uh, who you are and what it is that you do, and then we can go back into uh, the very unique story that has you sitting here today. Okay. So here's the brief background. For 30-plus years, I was in sales and sales management, uh, producing, managing, and I didn't have, we'll talk about my extraordinary experience here shortly. But today I have the opportunity to go travel the world. I speak, I write books, I consult with organizations about personal leadership skills and how to use those in the most challenging times. Yeah. So mate, um, let's dive into it. You had something uh, very interesting happen, happen a few years ago, many years ago. Uh, you were taking the, the usual business trips as you do, uh, flying around the country, helping with sales. And you're on a particular flight. Let's, uh, let's share with the audience what flight you're on and what happened. So I was one of those folks who were on flight 1549 on January 15, 2009, coming out of New York, a very typical business trip. I took it at least once, twice a month, nothing unusual. It was a cold day that day. It was snowing. But that day, uh, that plane had a very unique experience. It's now called the Miracle on the Hudson. And um, I'd love to share more about that. Yeah. Yeah. So let's dive into it, mate. Share a bit more about that. How did, uh, how did you get deemed the miracle man? Well, uh, that came a little bit later. I was, I was an ordinary person. I did exactly what I did with, when we all travel, wasn't paying attention. But, um, you know, what happened to me is, you know, I was uh, the last passenger off that plane. I, I, you know, I was just like a normal person. I didn't, I, when we heard brace for impact, you know, the captain said, this is your captain brace for impact. I think everybody mm -hmm. on that plane thought that we were going down and we weren't coming back. Uh, and Kenley, I did. I, I put my head down for the last time. I thought, okay, this is, we're, it's, it's been a good life and hopefully I'm going to be mm -hmm. ending up someplace better. But fortunately for me, as we all know now, the story in the movie Sully, you got the plane down, but now you have another set of challenges. Water's rushing in the plane because you're in the middle of the Hudson River. It's 11 degrees Fahrenheit. Water's rushing in and the, the water is 36 degrees Fahrenheit. Uh, so I think mm -hmm. that's somewhere between zero and one Celsius and ice cold water. But I was inside the plane for seven minutes because when I, I was getting out, just like everybody else but it was buried. But then when I got to the aisle to get out, I heard my mother start talking to me. And what I heard from her is that she said in my head, if you do the right thing, God will take care of you. And <laughs> I had to make a decision. I was going to, could I get, have to get out or do I help people? And Canley, I knew I was all right. So I went towards the back of the plane to see if anybody needed help. Got everybody moving. I got behind everybody. Started getting out like everybody else. And by the time I got to that doorberry on the right side, there was no room on the wing or the boat for me. So that's why I was inside the plane in 36 degree water for roughly seven minutes, until mm. I felt I felt the plane shake. I felt the plane shift. And what I found out later happened: one of the rescue boats, which was a tugboat, touched the front of the plane and it shook the plane. And I felt water going up my back. And I thought the plane was going down because I don't know if you've seen that movie Titanic. Uh, mm. That's what I'd liken it to. It's when, you know, when that boat tipped up in that movie, 
everybody got sucked down inside the boat. And my thought was, don't be sucked down in the plane. So mm. it's, um, I made the decision to jump and start swimming to get uh, get away from the plane. And uh, it was ice cold water. Plus there's jet fuel. That's why I'm wearing glasses right now. But that's how I got off the plane. So it was a very extraordinary situation. But they started calling me that uh, you know, a couple of weeks later when I was on Good Morning America. And all of a sudden this picture shows up of me inside the plane. All of a sudden I get, I mean, you know, talking about being the last passenger off the plane and helping people. And I was very, I was just doing the, what I thought the right thing was to do is help other people. Wow. So, so let's just, just backtrack a second. So January 15th, 2009, uh, you're on a U.S. Airways flight 1549 that uh, made an emergency landing into the Hudson River. Correct. Uh, at the time was, was for those in Australia, like the, the equivalent of around zero to one degrees Celsius in the water. And uh, people were obviously starting to, to exit the plane and get off and, and, and you know, take up the wing space. And you went to get off like everyone else and you heard your mother's speech. Is your mother still here or is she passed? No, that's, she passed away in 1997. Uh, but yeah. that was something I heard her tell me when I was a, when I was a child. Just do yeah. the right thing and God will take care of you. And also I heard that in my head again when I was getting ready to get out of the plane. So I think um, this, is, this is my personal opinion. I think she was watching over me that day and yeah. saying, okay, yeah, but I tell people too, Barry, I think one of the great lessons of being an entrepreneur or somebody who works for themselves or is in business is, um, you know, one of the things my mother did is always made us make decisions. And I say, mm -hmm. I, I think right now, and I, I'm, I'm to blame for this, I think like a lot of people, we don't make our kids make decisions when they're young. We, we mm -hmm. just try to take, make decisions for them. So when they get older, they're not used to making decisions. Mm -hmm. So fortunately for me, my mother always made us make decisions. And she told us, there's consequences, good or bad, based on your decisions. Mm. So, you know, I, you know, I was very fortunate to have a mother who made me make decisions, and so I could make the, the proper decision at the right time. Yeah, I, I thoroughly believe that. No, no decision's a bad decision, right? As long as we're making a decision. Making decisions. Yeah, right. those decisions have consequences, uh, for and against. And you know, I honestly believe it sounds like you do too. That where we're at right now is a consequence of the decisions that we've either made or have not made through our life and that day you know against all odds and probably against what your own uh critter brain your own survival instincts were telling you you made the decision to ensure that everyone else was off that plane first uh before taking care of yourself which was such a brave move and you know not only did they survive but you survived that uh incident too and you know things may have been very different had you not have listened to that inner voice, that inner wisdom. Was this like your first experience of, of getting that, that deep inner guidance or was it something that you had until that time, like been a reoccurring thing that you would get that inner guidance and listen to it? Uh, you know, I always, you know, that's a, that's a very interesting question, Barry, because I always had some intuitions. You know, I was in sales and I was feeling things. Plus I think my time, I'm only very candid. I think my time with a gentleman named Tony Robbins, I was the head of security for Tony for 10 years and traveled with wow. him. So being around that, I had to make those kind of calls to protect him and protect our team and protect the venue. So I always was having those things in my head is, you know, things, okay, what's the right decision, right? And mm. I had those intuitions coming. So I think, I think, and that's why I call my book Moments Matter, Barry, because I think all mm. these moments, like you just said, they add up and they give you these, these intuitions and these thought processes so you're ready to make those calls when you need to make them. Mm. Mate, I think it's just so perfect you being on the show because, 
you know, something that the comeback game stands for, like the, the, I'm not sure if you know too much about our backstory, but we started a little bit over 12 months ago now. And the main reason behind the comeback game is that I started to notice like the Australian market is very different to the U S based market. Like we have something over here called tall poppy syndrome. That's and right. that is that if you, you tend to grow too tall or, or taller than, than the average people will go out of the way to try to cut you down. Whereas in the States, it's quite different. You know, everyone's willing to go out there and, and, uh, put themselves up to the wall in debt to buy this fancy car to drive around to show everyone how good they are, yet they're living at home in a shoebox. That's right. Right. And and we started the comeback game because this is mis- misconception that if people pay coaches enough money or they do enough work on themselves, in themselves, on their businesses, that they don't experience problems and challenges anymore. And the reality is, you know, as well as I do, that's just not the case. It's the challenges, it's those traumatic experiences that we actually remember the most in life and allow us to grow most in life, not those great days. Like, you know, those days you're like, this is the best day of my life. How many of those can we actually remember versus those traumatic days versus those days when we felt like the whole entire world was against us and we managed to become who we needed to in that point in time to move through it. So I'm curious to understand your take on it. Like what's your belief or what's your perception around trauma and challenges and, 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 somewhat you, people would say maybe even negative experiences and the purpose that they have in and on our lives. Perfect question. Cause I, that's one of the reasons I did my Ted talk and I'll give you just a quick background. The reason I did my Ted talk cause I did an interview with a, uh, with a magazine here. It's called AARP It's primarily for organiz- people who are over 50 years old. Mm. And I didn't know why they want to interview me, but they, they were doing us two universities were doing a study on me on how did somebody like me grow out of this experience while so many other people went into depression and or even worse. And as we saw in the movie, Sully, the captain was going through his challenges likewise. So, you know, I think what I've said is I think everybody in their life goes through what I call that personal plane crash moment. Mm-hmm. Everybody's going to face something in their life that's going to be challenged. I, I, I tell you, I don't care if you're the queen of England or you're the, or you're the guy who's cleaning the, the bathrooms at midnight or someplace. Everybody's mm-hmm. going to face those challenges. And it's how do you grow from those challenges? How do you mm-hmm. respond to those challenges? And if you don't, if you don't have the resiliency, the mindset, the state management, the meaning you tell me, I, so I did this TED talk so I could help people understand how do you bounce back? Mm-hmm. How do you come back? And there's mm-hmm. ways that you can do it where some people go one way, some people go another way. What's mm. that difference? Mm. You know, that's why I really focus on, that's why I talk about personal development. So, because I think personal development and personal leadership skills, leading mm. yourself first and having those skills, everybody has them. Mm. What's going to trigger it? So when you face mm. that moment, because you're right, you grow more out of challenges. Mm. Everybody wants to be happy all the time. Everybody wants to be Kim Kardashian and happy all the time, making all these millions of dollars. That's cool. But, where do you really grow is when you have to push up against that wall, right? But something, something happens. And, 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 and even Kim Kardashian, that's our perception of reality. You know, that that's the way that the media or that, that the publicity is portraying a certain way of being yet you, you know, like I, I would understand or know that there's another side of, of what the media doesn't see as well. What's not shown out there. Like I've not met somebody that hasn't got problems or challenges going on that lives a happy life all the time and someone who is um, content or that is li- living a, a somewhat happy life is, is often playing a small game too. If they're not experiencing those humps and bumps, because as you said, it's those humps and bumps, those challenges where we truly can grow into a greater version of ourselves. What do you feel is that, that, that point? Like what is that 
that point that decides whether someone takes it on board and uses it as a positive experience or takes it down and, 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 you know, falls into some form of anxiety or depression. Like what is that point? And how can we, how can we lift, increase the odds to where we move more towards the growth aspect of that? Thank you for that question. Cause I think that point comes with the meaning we attach to it. It all comes down to the meaning we attach to it because one thing we learn in life is this, the meaning you attach to something produces emotions in your life. And emotion yeah. is your life. Everything is about your life is what emotion are you carrying at that moment in time? So yeah. the difference between going north and going south is what meaning are you attaching? And if, if you're having a negative meaning, let's like the situation, I'll give you a perfect example. Uh, and I'll, I'll use the plane experience. I was on Good Morning America uh, with a number of passengers. We came out, we were in the green room. Everybody's happy, right? Except one person. One person went into a rage. One very, was very upset. And all of a sudden, we're all like looking at him like, what's wrong with you, dude? Right? We survived a plane crash. We're on national TV, right? We're on every magazine you can in the world. But what I found out is the meaning he attached to is because he lost his job and he was going through a divorce. And I found out that the meaning he attached to the plane crash was everything's negative. Everything in my life went south. So the way you change that, right, is that what you free frame that meaning, ask a different mm -hmm. question, right? Mm -hmm. And once you ask a different question, all of a sudden you can change that. You can turn that around from going south to going north, but it's all mm -hmm. the questions. But so it all starts, Barry, with the meaning you attach to something. And that's what I try to mm -hmm. teach people. It's all about personal mm -hmm. leadership and the meanings you attach to that. Mm. Two questions out of that. This is a great conversation. First question is, do you think that that meaning is, is attached automatically like, do you see that that experience happens and based on our upbringing, based on the way that we're wired, based on our experience of life so far, we automatically attach a meaning to that. And second question, part part B, is if, is if we do attach it somewhat automatically, have we got the ability to still change it once yeah. we realize that we're going down? So let me answer the first one. In my perception, it all starts with the references. You're right. It starts with the references we have in our life. Right. Yeah. And all the things we see, you know, visual, auditory, kinesthetic, all these things come together. Right. It starts with the reference in our life. That's why, once again, I wrote my book, Moments Matter, because all these moments in your life mean something. They may yeah. usually go through your day and it's, it doesn't mean anything. But all of a sudden, 25 years later, sometime when you're 13 years old and you're going to Boy Scout camp and something happens, all of a sudden that's in your brain. And all of a sudden it's mm -hmm. a reference and it was a positive or negative. And yes, the second part is, yes, you can change it. You can reframe that meaning because part of what I did, and it came to a personal experience for me. Where you see me sitting right now is where it happened. So I, and I, what happened was, is we had a couple neighbors down the street, a couple older ladies. They called my wife, and they, and the, my wife is in the house, and they wanted her, they needed help fixing their TV. Okay, no big deal. I am good at fixing TVs. I'm really good at. I know how to fix a TV to get it on, right? So I go down, and you're going to help your neighbors, right? And there are two older ladies. Okay. So I go down and help them. And there's a less than two minutes, right? I mean, it's just one of those things. But they stayed and asked me to stay and have milk and cookies. I said, well, I love milk and cookies. Who doesn't like milk and cookies? I love milk and cookies. So they're getting milk and cookies. And they had, this, they had a table. And I was flipping through their books. And these books, they were pictures of concentration camps. Now, I love World War II history. I love it. I read about it. I watch it. So when they come out, I'm like, hey, this is really cool stuff. Where'd you get this? And all of a sudden they said, we were there. And they rolled up their sleeve and showed me the numbers down their arm. Wow. I go, whoa. I said, let me record the story. He said, they won't let me record, but they told me the story. 
of being in concentration camp. And these two ladies, they're the only two survived out of their family. And that's why they lived together the rest of their lives. And this is the moment I realized that, you know, they attached a meaning to that. It was positive. They survived. And they were going to do something with that. And one of the most horrific experiences in the history of the world. And these two ladies survived and have a different meaning. How mm. did they do that? Because the mm. reference they put in their brain is, I survived. Now I got to do something with it. Mm. So instead of going south, they went north. And I said, mm. that's it. The meanings and the re references you have in your life. Mm. And I think, I think that it's even more powerful now. I think that the meaning through meanings, we have the ability to actually prepare ourselves for situations. Like I'm not sure if you read the book, man's search for meaning. Yes. You know, in there, he talks about the fact that he managed to get through the concentration camps because of, of the purpose, because of the vision, right. because of uh, what he felt he was there to create, which then influenced the decisions that he made, the situations he put himself in throughout the concentration camps and believes that through that influence was what actually allowed him to survive and come out the other side. Exactly right. Uh, it's, a, it's a tremendous book. I actually wrote a blog about that book because I think it's, it's so powerful because it, you know, it all starts with the purpose. And mm. you know, what I'm finding is this, and maybe you see something different where you're at, but I, I, I did, I started out the year, this was the 10th anniversary of the miracle on the Hudson. I started out the year in Canada and I did it for a purpose. I love going to Canada. I love speaking in Canada, but I wanted to speak to millennials in Canada. I want to understand their mindset. And what I found is this, and I did two events in Canada, one in, um, Toronto and another one in Waterloo, two different markets. And what I found is this, it goes back to purpose. What millennials I found in Canada are looking for is they have a lack of purpose. They don't understand how to find their purpose. Hmm. They're intelligent as all get out. They know how to get stuff done. I mean, Waterloo is where Blackberry was founded. This is a technology hub of Canada. But, but what they were struggling with is well, how do I find my purpose? What, why am I here? So they're all over the place. They're going to this job, to this job, to this job. Oh, they want to start their own business. Oh, they want to own their podcast. They don't have a solid purpose. So what I'm, find, what I'm finding is, is if I can help people understand how to find their purpose, then I can help them with the direction of their life. So that's why I did that. So you're exactly right. And what he mm. and Frankel said is correct. It all starts with that purpose. You understand mm. the purpose and it gives you the drive and you'll figure out the strategies mm. on how to, how to get it done. He figured out how to get out of concentration camps. Yeah. Fine. They have a bigger purpose. Yeah. How does one go about finding their purpose? It's something we hear a lot. It's like, oh, I don't know what my purpose is. I'm so lost. I'm, you know, dabbling in this and dabbling in this and dabbling in that. Like, how does one go about finding their purpose? And are, are they ever off purpose? You know, great question. And I found really my, my purpose in 1994. And I, you know, I was, I had a mentor who was mentoring me. He was a brilliant man. And um, Bill, I, I treasure Bill. And he, he asked me to go to this seminar and I went and I, it was about finding your purpose. Mm. So I sat there for probably two hours at, and it all starts with well, the great thing was I was asking a different level of question of myself. What's most important to me and what has to happen for me to realize that? Mm. And I started asking these kind of questions in my brain. All of a sudden I started realizing what my purpose was. Mm. And, and all of a sudden I wrote down this purpose in 1994 and I started ingraining it in my body. I said, this is, this is why I'm here. So, Fast forward to 2009, economy is bad in the United States. It probably was better in Australia. You know, all of a sudden I'm in the middle of something that's all over the world. And what I've realized is, you know, my purpose was to be happy, realize I accomplished anything I desire without faith in my creator, inspiring others to be the same. That was my purpose. I wrote in 1994 and it lived out that moment because I was mm. inspiring. I helped, I helped 
I was, I was helping other people. I had a purpose. And also I was inspiring other people after. I said, my purpose is right. It took me 15 years to realize the purpose. God mm. never promised you you're going to realize it today. He never said that. Mm. But everybody's got a purpose. You just got to ask better questions of yourself and start asking the right questions. All of a sudden, it'll trigger. It's like write it down, ingrain it in your body. And so when you need it, this is why I'm doing this. This is why you and I are talking tonight. Mm. We would never talk if I was living out my purpose and we had met this one similar gentleman. Never would have because mm. I mm. live my purpose. Mm. I, I, I totally agree. And I feel that it's also um, being okay to have somewhat blind faith. You know, not waiting for the lights to turn green before you start moving. You know, not waiting to see the whole entire journey to take the first step. Being okay to take the step on it what fails. you know right now. It and fails. sometimes it might not even be a step of, of moving towards what you know, but it's moving away from what you don't know. Moving away from those things that no longer provide you with the joy, the satisfaction, the fulfillment they once did. It all starts with taking action. Taking, you know, that's, it all starts with taking action. Even if you go back to Think and Grow Rich, one of the first things he talks about is taking action. Right? Mm-hmm. And because you're right, because you may not know what your purpose is right now, and you but if you don't start taking some steps towards something, you'll you'll be you'll be stagnant. You'll never you'll never get any place, right? You can't get any place by standing still, even if you're going in the wrong direction, because you will get course corrected. And blind faith is a perfect term because sometimes you just gotta have faith in a bigger being. As you know, what I'm here for a reason, and one day it's gonna come to me, and I'm just gonna have faith that if I have faith strong enough, that that creator whatever you want to call it will lead me the way i need to go mm. and i think that's i think that's a part of the challenge people have today is they don't they don't have a bigger belief that you know what i am here for a reason a purpose mm. and mm. i'm going to give it up now i believe mm. in the bible and the bible you give it up it will come back to you tenfold it'll come back it may not come back in the way you want it to come back god mm. never promised that mm. but it will come back and they will you will be led by blind faith if you have blind faith Mm. Great, great statement. I love that. I love, I love what you shared too around course corrected because it's like a boat that's sitting at the harbor can't be course corrected. It can't be turned. It's not, it's not moving. It's stationary. Right. And I think that you're right. I think that this crazy thing happens in life that if we are taking action, we are moving, even if we're moving in the wrong direction or wrong is probably not the right word, but even if we're moving in a direction that's off course or off purpose, we will be course corrected and it will start with, with whispers It'll start with gentle nudges and it will get so severe to where, you know, often we experience these large challenges. Like I'm sure that there's many people that were on that plane that, that landed on the Hudson that, you know, were experiencing some pretty crazy stuff in life. And that was a defining moment that allowed them to make a new decision and head in a new direction in life. Most definitely. I totally agree with that. That happened to me. Yeah. I, people ask me that, what was the biggest change in my life? I, I probably had two big changes, Barry. First was, and my thing was I was making great money. I was top producer, right? But I was missing out time with my family. And I had two older daughters who were in high school who I missed so many things out. I'm like, that's, that's like, man, it's a wake up call, right? It's like, I got to get this together. I got to get this together. But the biggest change was, is in the area of judgment. And people say, what does that mean? Well, I, I'm not real proud to say this, but for many years, I was probably pretty judgmental. I would make, I would, I would, I would look at somebody and judge them pretty quick, good, bad. What am I? And all of a sudden, I said, how many times in my life have I I've cut out a relationship, a job opportunity, a date? Because I've judged somebody so quick. I said, if I just change that one thing in my life, this came right after the plane crash, probably a week to two weeks. I said, if I change this one thing in my life, become less judgmental, how can that affect my life? So mm-hmm. I said, you know what? I'm going to do what Martin Luther King said. 
judge people by the content of their character. Mm. And so I'm doing that. And also, I'm speaking to the Supreme Court. I'm traveling the world. I'm meeting with you. I'm meeting with yeah. all of a sudden. It's like that's the truth. That's it. You know, everybody just needs to be less judgmental and judge people on their character. And it's like you know what? The doors will open up for you. And all of a sudden, mm. you'll meet people who will course correct you, who take interest mm. in you, right? All of a sudden, you get somebody. All of a sudden, this mentor comes into your life, right? It's like you know, you're, you're going. We need. We look at the path you're on. Look at your blueprint. Let's see if we can adjust the blueprint, right? Because you're you're at least taking a step. But there's people to help you. So that to me was the two big changes in my life, and all of a sudden set me off in the path I'm at right now. Mm. Yeah, I love that. I love that. It's uh, you know, that old saying: "Plant the seed you wish to grow." Yep. You know, so, I think that. Um, something we talk to our clients a lot about is around tapping in to their heart, to their intuition. And, you know, I don't just mean those thoughts they have, but that inner knowing, that inner feeling that we all have and we've all gotten through our life, but we've just stopped listening to it. We forgot to listen to it. Right. And often we get the objection, but oh, like when I follow my heart, um, things don't work or things break or I get heartbroken. And, you know, what I'd speak into that is that, that a, is it your heart you're following or is it more a desire or a will or a want from the ego? And B, if you are generally following that intuition, that whisper, that guidance from your heart and things don't work out the way that you want them to be, it's because something even better is around the corner. Right. And sometimes when we step into, <clears throat> step into that blind faith and we, we generally start to, to follow that path, things have to be broken or pulled down or pulled apart for new foundations to be created, for new buildings to be built. You know, like you can't go and build a skyscraper on a dodgy foundation. And right. many of us, you know, through life have built these dodgy foundations on our desires, on our wants and our wills from, from an egoic place that are not serving us in our highest purpose, that are maybe in pursuit of, of money at cost of everything else. And it's once we start listening to that part of us and connecting in with like that higher source, God, whatever you choose to, to believe, that things will get broken down or pulled apart so beautifully and elegantly for something even better to be created. And that's where that blind faith comes in. That's true. You just, you look at you like at the military, what they do, the first thing they do in the military is break you down so they can build you back up to be a better person. Right. And I think you're exactly right. Some, sometimes you have to get broken. Sometimes mm -hmm. you just have to, you know, and also you get to the point, it's like, you know what, I'm going to give it up. I've got blind faith. I don't know where it's going to lead me, but all of a sudden the right people start coming into your life. Yeah, all because and it, it, you've heard this, right? That you're made of the five people you're mostly around, right? All of a sudden, you're getting better people in your life who have a, have you at the center of their best their best interest at their center. Mm. They, they want the best for you, and they they see more in you than you see in you. Mm. And that's that's what happened to me with my first mentor, Bill. He saw more in me than I saw in me, and he took mm. me under his wing for 13 years. He was an ultra successful business person, um, and he taught me everything he knew. And the fight before he died, he gave me these notes and said, please don't let these die with you. Because mm. these are the notes he got in 1929 from his mentor. So, so I think we're all old people. I think it's, it's, we all need our obligations to pass it on to the next mm. generation, make the next generation better. We have all this wisdom, right? It took me 50 some years to get this wisdom. Right. And so, mm. I've been very blessed with having people who course corrected me many times. Mm. Because one thing we all know, and you know this in life, no life is a perfect circle. You got a chunk, whether it's your finances, your relationships, your career, you know, something's a chunk. No one's at the perfect circle. Mm. You know, I, in, in, in my group, I've got people who are 
ultra millionaires, but their relationships stink, right? Mm. So no one's got the perfect circle. So we're all striving for that. Let's help each other do that. Cause I'm good at certain, certain things. I need help in some things likewise. Mm. No one's perfect. Mm. If you look back over the 50 something years, yeah. uh, you've been on this earth. What do you think are the three uh, most impactful learnings that you've picked up along the way? Things you've heard, things that you've understood, things that you've learned about yourself. You know, number one, I've, I just, I've mentioned one that I was too judgmental. I think that, you know, I grew up in the 60s and so I, when you saw the Vietnam War on the TV, but you also saw people landing on the moon. So mm-hmm. there's so much change. So I think I grew up in a time where I didn't think I was judgmental, but I was judgmental. So I think that's mm-hmm. one of the biggest learnings that I had. Number one, number one, number two is I don't know everything. You know, there, and I think it goes, I think everybody goes through that time of life that, you know what, you're bulletproof. You think you know everything. And all of a sudden some, something happens, knocks you down. Mm. Something knocks you down, right? Whether it's a relationship or you lose your job. So I, I, I think I've figured out in my mid twenties that I wasn't everything to everybody. You know, mm. when you think you're everything to everybody. And I, I went through that time. Um, and I think number three, I just think, you know, having a family grounds you because now you're, you know, I, I, I'm not looking for the, to make sure my kids are well. I'm looking to make sure my grandkids are mm. the ones that understand and can take the ball and roll with it. So it's about leaving the legacy now. I think that's mm. the shift that we make, you know, when you're 40 to 50 is like that. They call that midlife crisis thing. The halftime is it, it's more that you're bigger than yourself. That's right. It's more than you. Mm. I think. You know, and, and I don't know if you saw the movie Doctor Strange, but if you have, she talks to Doctor Strange and says, it's not about you, right? And I think mm-hmm. it triggers triggered me. It's like, that's right. You get to that point where you think, you know, everything I'm doing is re- it's not about you. It's about how can you help the bigger being other people out first? And that's what happened that day on the planet. Me and everybody else were helping other people. It was a great mm-hmm. symbolism of if people pull together, check their egos at the door and, you, and take your personal leadership skills up, Anything's possible. Anything in the world is possible. But you mm. have to check your ego at the door and say, you know what? We have a bigger mission than just uh, me surviving. Yeah. So good. So good. What is the next, what is the next, you know, five to 10 years look like for you, Dave? Great question. Because, you know, I made back in 2009, as I mentioned, I was very fortunate um, to have my time with Tony. He's been a great mentor to me. I traveled with him. He taught me so much. One of the things he taught me was to put together 10 year plans. And so I, I just came into my 10-year plan in May. Now, now my next 10-year plan, and my next 10-year plan is, you know, taking what I've, you know, 30 plus years of what I've learned in not only in business and sales, but the last, especially five years, I've had my own business. I've been speaking. I've been, I've been doing coaching and doing courses, taking this back into the corporate or the non-for-profit world and teaching the next generation, not mm. only the skills of business, which I, I, I know, but all these leadership skills. And also they can step up and be leaders for the next generation. So the next five to 10 years, my next 10 year plan is taking all this, going back in the corporate and or non-for-profit world and teaching those millennials slash gen, I think it's Gen Zers now, Gen Z, millennial and, and younger Gen X, these skill sets. So you know, one of the things Bill challenged me with is taking this and giving it to the next generation. He gave me this. Uh, my gift is now I'm going to find 10, at least 10 people to give this to and teach them these skills so they can teach. Because my goal now, Barry, to be very candid, is to impact a million people in the next 10 years by doing, teaching these skills and going back into the world doing that. That's what I'm doing. Outstanding. Outstanding. 
And so for the guys and girls that are tuning in today from wherever they are in the world, uh, if they want to connect with you, mate, how's the best way to connect with you? I'd say that there's really two ideal ways. Number one is through LinkedIn. Uh, that platform allows me to be able to, I put out new content every day about leadership and that way I can communicate with people on, on a different level. Or yeah. just check me out on my website at Dave at Dave Sanders or Dave Sanderson speaks.com. Dave, Dave Sanderson speaks my, my email, Dave Sanderson speaks.com. That's where I put a lot of all my information out and then you can contact me. Um, and I, I'll be more than happy if you contact me, I'll be more than happy to write either write your note or send you a copy of my e-copy of my book, Moments Matter. I'll be more than happy to do that. Uh, or if I'm in your country, let me know. Ask me if I'm coming to Australia or Canada or in England or wherever. And I'll personally invite you to be, uh, be a part of my team as I go out to uh, speak and do what I do. Love to meet people personally. Outstanding. Dave Sanderson, mate, I've really enjoyed uh, our chat today. And uh, I'd love to know if you're watching this right now, listen to this, uh, what was the key takeaway for you? What was that thing that you got out of uh, the conversation today that you can take forward uh, into your life? Because it's one thing to, to learn new stuff. It's something else to take it into action. And uh, it's only through action that we can start to experience new shifts and changes and uh, increase momentum. Dave, thanks so much for your time today. Thank you very much, Barry. Honor to be with you. If you're in a position that many of our clients were before joining us, which is that your business is controlling you rather than you controlling your business, we would love to have a chat to you to see whether or not we might be the right fit to partner with you to help you grow and succeed in business. Over the past eight years, we've helped hundreds of business owners around the world to grow, scale and succeed in business. Uh, many of our clients report we've helped them to triple their profits and double their time off in 12 months or less. If you jump onto YouTube and notice the hundreds of testimonies, you'd see that this is a common theme amongst them. If you're a business owner that's generating more than $300,000 a year in annual revenue, uh, whether it's 500 million, 5 million, even $10 million a year, and you're looking to take your business and your life to the next level, we might be able to help. If you're noticing that your business is lacking structure, maybe systems or processes, maybe you're not quite attracting enough or, or the right type of quality leads, making enough sales, or maybe you've been having issues finding, hiring, retaining, and training the right team members, we could be a fit for you. Ultimately, we believe that we never have business problems, we have personal problems that are expressed through our business, and a lot of the work we do is with you as a business owner, helping you to constantly upgrade the way that you see life, the way that you make decisions, and the way that you help construct a profitable and purpose-driven business. In order for us to do that though, you need to book in a quick, a uh, 15 minute application call with one of our scaling specialists here at The Game Changers. Through the 15 minute call, we're gonna ask you a bunch of questions to see if or how we might better help you. If we can't help you, we'll let you know politely and do our best to point in the direction of someone that can. However, we can help you, we'll look at booking you an, a one hour game plan session where we're gonna dive a lot deeper into where you and your business are at right now, where it is that you want to go in the next three, five and 10 years time, and what are the potential roadblocks or challenges or even opportunities that are along the journey in order for you to get there uh, faster. If you're really feeling that it's time for you to experience the love and the joy of running a business again, if you're really wanting to experience a business that does actually operate without you while still producing profit, uh, we may very well be the right fit. So book in a 15 minute call, we can have a chat and uh, see where we go from there. My name is Babo Diddy and uh, thanks for listening. Hopefully we get a chance to talk soon.